Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. We're on a journey here today that God has taken us on, and he's already been speaking some things to us. We're going to continue on this journey. I believe these next few moments are going to be really, really important for us. So I just want to encourage us to just lean in to what the Lord has for us in in this next segment of our service. Are you ready to do that? Just to to lean in? We're going to talk about breaking the levee. That's the message today. Break the levy. I'll just go ahead and invite you to have a seat and turn your neighbors. Have a seat. So, tell them. Break, break the levy. Come on. Tell them that. Break the levy. We're talking a lot about reset retreat because it is this weekend. Did you catch that? It's this weekend, and looking forward to it. Friday night, Saturday, and we keep talking about it because we think it's pretty important. You know, as your pastor, I feel very responsible. I am responsible for your spiritual growth. And I don't ever want to get up here and force you to do something that I think is not good for you or encourage you to do something that's not good for you. I take this role really serious. And we have made a decision that this reset retreat, which is just the Freedom Conference we've done for the last couple of years, is so important that we want everyone to be a part of it. I think this is a big part of all of our discipleship. And I believe that Jesus has freedom for you to walk in. And some of us are missing out on that freedom. And so that's why it's good for us to go. Maybe some things happen this year and it's, it's good to go again and get away for a weekend and just let God move and do his thing in our life. And just want you to know, Reset Ministries does not provide childcare but Rivers Church is providing childcare for our people. So if you need childcare, we just wanna make sure we provide that for you. You can even let us know on that little blue card that Pastor Amy was talking about. Hey, I'm going and I'm gonna need childcare. We just wanna make sure we have enough for you, but we've already got it taken care of, already got it provided because we wanna make sure we take care of families so that parents can be there at this reset retreat. Again, we feel that strongly uh, about it. We'd love to help you be there and experience the retreat. Uh, this weekend. And if you haven't signed up, let me encourage you to do it right now. Feel free right now. You don't have to listen to me. Just go ahead and go online. And I mean, if you, if you ignore everything I say for the next 10 minutes because you're signing up for the reset retreat, I'll get over it. It's okay. I'll be fine. But I do believe this message is going to be good and it's going to help us too. So if you can do both at the same time, do that. We're going to start with John 7. Jesus said this. He stood up in the middle of a festival and he said these words. He said, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the spirit. As believers, did you know that you have rivers of living water that are supposed to come out of you? These are the words of Jesus. This is, in my opinion, these are my thoughts And this, by the way, is where we get the name Rivers Church. This is one of those scriptures that we are founded in as Rivers Church. We want to be Rivers people. 
We actually want to be people who live out what Jesus proclaimed, what will happen to all of his believers. Hey, my believers will have rivers of living water, rivers of life flowing out of them, meaning the spirit of God will flow out of their life. We want to fulfill those words of Jesus. We want to be rivers people. So this is one of the reasons why we have adopted the name Rivers Church is straight from John chapter seven. So here's the deal. If we don't have rivers of living water coming out of our life, then there's a blockage. Something is blocking us. Maybe our heart has gotten hard. We put up some walls. This is why we're calling today, break the levy. Today's the day we're going to break the levy. What's the levy? A levy is like a fortified wall, right? It's a fortified wall meant to hold back water. That's the purpose of a levy. So today is a day where we can, with Jesus' help and his power and the Spirit of God moving and working in us, today is a day we can break the levy. Are you ready? You ready for this? We're going to talk about three areas, and these are in your notes. Everybody has your notes, right? Three areas. We're going to talk about surrender, spiritual warfare, and spiritual authority. And some of these themes have already been coming up all throughout the service from the beginning uh, to the end. I just feel like God is, again, taking us on a journey here, and he's speaking to us and preparing us for this weekend. As we prepare for this weekend in the Reset Retreat, I'd encourage you, prepare your hearts for what God has to do. In fact, if you missed any of the last four messages, this is part five of the Reset series. If you've missed any of the last four, I'd encourage you, go back, take notes, let God speak to you, and make sure you're ready and prepared and your heart is ready for uh, this weekend. So let's talk about surrender and the importance of surrender. There's a period of history that was called the Crusades. It's kind of a Christian history period. Have you ever heard of the Crusades before? It's not the best time or era for Christianity, if we're honest, right? Like, it wasn't how Jesus called us to go and make disciples. Like, Christians went and took over lands. They, like, destroyed people and lands, and, and uh, they conquered them, okay? Not the way Jesus told us to go and spread the gospel. But what's said is, during that time of the Crusades, these crusaders, they believed in Jesus, they would actually get water baptized, and it's said that when they got water baptized, they would hold their sword above the water as they were baptized. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so in a sense, what they're doing is they're saying, I surrender everything to Jesus. I'm dying to him, except for I'm holding one piece above the water. Wow. Now, water baptism is a beautiful thing. It's a way you and I publicly show our faith in Jesus. If you've never gone public in your faith in Jesus and you're ready to do so, let us know because we're going to do it next month. But it's a beautiful thing because it really depicts a death and a resurrection. We die to ourselves, our sin, our past, and we come alive in Jesus. Galatians 2.20, uh, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And water baptism symbolizes all that. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And we love water baptism. But apparently, the crusaders would get water baptized because they believe in Jesus, but they would hold their sword above the water. Basically, they're saying, hey, this one area of my life, I'm not going to surrender this area because I might need to make some decisions with this thing that I deem is best when I go into battle. And I wonder if this describes way too many Christians. We've surrendered our life to Jesus mostly. We've got something we're holding above the water. And today is one of those days where I would encourage you to surrender whatever that is that you're holding uh, above the water. And what I've learned is we usually don't even need to pray about that issue. 
We know. If you're a believer, you typically know. But sometimes God will come along, he'll speak to us in his loving way and, and lovingly rebuke us or correct us and show us, hey, this is an area you need to surrender to me. But here's what I've learned in my life. Surrender brings freedom. It's always worth it. When you and I surrender to Jesus, it always brings freedom. If there's something you're holding above the water, you've been holding above the water saying, Jesus, I, I, I surrender all except for this thing. And today's a day for you to surrender that thing and find the freedom that Jesus has for you. Sometimes we hold habits above the water or our hobbies. Sometimes it's our wallet. Sometimes it's our career. We can hold many different things above the water. And here's the crazy thing. Whatever I hold above the water, whatever I'm not surrendering to Jesus, I am giving power to that thing in my life. And the longer I do not surrender it, the more power I give to that thing in my life. That's why it's important for you and I to surrender it. Because surrender brings freedom. And sometimes we like, okay, God, I trust you. I give it to you. And then we take it back. No, 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 no. I, I think I can handle this better than you can, God. And we make surrender like a wrestling match, which surrender was never meant to be a wrestling match. And so I just want to encourage you today, stop wrestling and start surrendering. Wow. Don't keep wrestling with this thing. Just let it go. Trust Jesus. He's got way better plans for you than you do. Did you know that? You can trust him with every area of your life. And if you surrender that, you will find freedom. I know Jesus modeled this for us. So Matthew 26 says, then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. This is hours before Jesus goes to the cross. And he's really showing us that he's struggling with this moment. And he's saying, father, if it's possible, I'd like to not go through this cup of suffering. I'd like to give it back to you. Can I like not have this? But then in that moment, he still surrenders. Not my will, but thy will be done, Heavenly Father. And that's the prayers. That's the moments we need to have of surrender of, okay, God, not my will, but thy will be done. And sometimes we think our will is better than his will. But his will is always better. Thy will, thy will is greater than my will. And we got to come to that place where we trust God enough to surrender our will to his will. And I think the wedding day is a good picture of surrender. Yeah. I've done a lot of weddings in my day, been to a lot. I'm sure you have as well. In fact, we got our friends Jack and Betty. They're getting married a week from today. Or I'm excited for that wedding day in a week. And here's what I've never seen in a wedding. I've never seen the couple come down to the altar and then negotiate the terms of their relationship. Have you ever seen this? No. Marriage is an all-in ordeal, right? You come in and you fully surrender. I give you myself fully and completely. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I give everything to you. I am all yours. That's what marriage is, right? Wouldn't it be weird if you, you went to a wedding and you watched the bride say, I vow this and this and this to you, but not this to you. No, this is, this is for me. I, I don't, I'm not going to surrender that area of my life to you. Wouldn't that be weird? If you saw them kind of like, I'm not going to commit this part of my life to you, but this part I will. That's not marriage, is it? Because it's an all-in ordeal. And then living that out is how we see healthy, growing, thriving marriages take place. You know, healthy marriages don't ask, how can I get away with, how much can I get away with and still be married to this person? That's not what healthy marriages ask, right? 
How much can I do and still be married to this person? See, when a marriage is functioning the way it should be in a healthy, uh, beautiful way, there's going to be just a real deep, close intimacy that's taking place. You'll see submission, mutual submission. There's gonna be disagreements, but there's communication and they work through the, the disagreements into an agreement. There's a partnership there. It's just a beautiful thing. And all of it is motivated by this thing called love. I love you so much that I'm willing to work out whatever it is. We're gonna work through this because I'm giving you all of me and I know you're giving all to me. That's the way marriage is supposed to work, right? If I looked at Amy and I said, hey, Amy, I've been faithful to you 90% of the time this year. How would she respond? She would be, she'd be hurt. She'd be really upset and hurt and, and then mad and angry and all, the, all those emotions, right? Because that's not what it is. Marriage is an all-in proposition. It's an all-in relationship. And the same is true for being a disciple of Jesus. It's an all-in thing. I think this is why Jesus compared his relationship to us, the church, as in a marriage. He's the groom, and we are the bride. And he wants devotion from us to him in all areas of our life, just like it would be in a marriage relationship. So please know this, surrender brings freedom. As you and I surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit and surrender areas to him, then you and I can really begin to live in the freedom that he has for us. Okay, let's talk about spiritual warfare. That's surrender, now spiritual warfare. And this is obviously a huge topic. So we're not gonna cover everything that we can cover in, on spiritual warfare, but let's look at some really important foundational things when it comes to spiritual warfare that are gonna help us step into a new level of freedom. So life principle, if you're taking notes, here's the principle, write this down in your notes, life principle. Spiritual forces are empowered by human agreement. That's how we give power to spiritual forces in our life. So here's the deal. Whatever you are agreeing with, you are giving power to. So that's what I gotta wrestle with and, and discern. Am I agreeing with the truth of God or am I agreeing with the lies of the enemy? Because whatever I'm agreeing with, I am giving power to. Spiritual forces are empowered by human agreement. And so in this series, we've talked about plugging into God, plugging into the source and the importance of hearing his voice and how to hear his voice. And here's the deal. God wants to talk to you. He can, he will talk to you. But also, Satan wants to talk to you as well. And he will talk to you. Okay, the enemy will come to you and he'll try to speak these lies over you. He wants to come to you in your worst moments of life. Have you ever noticed this? You're discouraged. You're going through something painful. Things don't make sense. And he really loves to sneak in in those moments and start interpreting life for you and speaking to you about what you need to think about and all that. Satan loves to do that. He loves to interpret those things for us. So we need to be aware. What voice am I listening to? I got to discern this. Who am I listening to? And Satan's voice, it's always accusing. It's always slanderous. He'll say things like, you're not good enough. Uh, and this is why we got to listen to God's voice. We got to plug into him and know what he says about us. God's voice is always full of love and truth. And his truth brings freedom. God speaks peace over you. He speaks life into you. So understand this about Satan. Satan is not an original. He's just a copy. He's just an imitator. He, he brings a cheap imitation of what God has for you. And his whole desire 
is to replace God's plans for your life with his plans for your life. Did you know that Satan has plans for your life? You realize this? Okay, his plans are a cheap imitation of God's plans. They are counterfeit to God's kingdom. So Satan, he was in God's kingdom. He was one of the angels, perhaps an archangel that God had created for whatever reason, he decided he wanted to overthrow God, like pride-filled Satan. And he thought, I'm gonna overthrow God. I'm gonna be more powerful than him. And God's like, I made you, you can't overthrow me. And so he kicked him out of heaven. But Satan had an insider look into God's kingdom. And so he set up his kingdom and he used some of the principles from God's kingdom, but he twisted them to set up his kingdom. So let's look at Matthew 12. We looked at a few verses here just a moment ago. Matthew 12, Jesus said, Jesus knew their thoughts and replied and said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. So the whole point I want us to get out of that passage is simply this. Satan has a kingdom. Just like God has a kingdom, Satan has a kingdom. And his kingdom is actually united. It's not a divided one. His kingdom is actually organized. Okay, this Ephesians 6 passage that we looked at a few moments ago as well. This is on the back side of your sheet too, by the way, on the back side. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's not against those people that annoy you. It's not against those people that say mean things about you. It's not against those people that disagree with you. Okay, the battle is in the spiritual realm against those authorities, those powers of the dark world, those spiritual forces of evil. That's where the battle is. And so again, we see there is a spiritual battle going on. There is spiritual warfare that you and I need to be aware of. God has a kingdom, but Satan also has a kingdom. His kingdom is highly organized, but he counterfeits everything from God's kingdom. And so you can see the chart on your paper there. See the chart? God's kingdom, Satan's kingdom. There's a hierarchy in both kingdoms. God's kingdom has God, archangels and angels. In Satan's kingdom, there's Satan, principalities, and demons. There's a hierarchy. There's messengers. God's kingdom has prophets. Really, anybody who prophesies or declares the word or the message of the Lord uh, is a messenger. And then Satan's kingdom, there's the occult. There's psychics, horoscopes, Ouija boards, all that other satanic and occultic activity. All of those are messengers of Satan's kingdom. There's an atmosphere in both kingdoms. There's light in God's kingdom and darkness in Satan's kingdom. Those are the two atmospheres. Here's the interesting thing. People who are living in darkness in Satan's kingdom, most of the time they don't realize it. Most people don't realize they're walking in darkness because they've never seen or experienced the light. If you've stepped out of darkness into the light, you know it. You know it. There's no hiding in the light, but Satan, he loves people to hide things, to keep things in darkness. He wants to isolate you and I and to and isolate us away from people and keep our lives, our issues, and all of our, every area of our life in darkness. That's his goal. There's a language in both kingdoms. God's kingdom is truth. Satan's kingdom is lies. We even see it in God's word that his native tongue is lies. This is, this is what he speaks. It's all lies. 
There's a mission from both kingdom. God's kingdom, his mission is life to the full for you and me. It's that abundant life thing. Satan's mission is to kill, to steal, and to destroy you. That's the wonderful plan that the devil has for your life. Kill, steal, and destroy. So you can see this is how Satan imitates, how he counterfeits God's kingdom. And he'll do whatever he can to steal, to kill, to destroy you. You may still be a believer, but he is robbing from you and you're missing out on freedom in your life in certain areas. This is why it's so important for us to know God's word and to know God's voice, to know what he says about me. And and I've got to come into a place where I uh, agree with this more than I agree with my opinion or somebody else's opinion or especially Satan's opinion. I got to agree with this. Okay, remember, life principle. Spiritual forces are empowered by human agreement, right? It's all by human agreement. So this is actually what happened in the very, very beginning. Genesis chapter three, we can go there. Look at this little story here. Genesis three, Adam and Eve lost the spiritual battle because of agreement. They aligned themselves with the message of the devil. So Genesis three, Adam and Eve living the perfect life, living that dream life, in this incredible place, the Garden of Eden. They had this perfect relationship with God who created them and loved them. And they're talking with him, hanging out with him, walking with him, communing with him. Everything's perfect. There's no sin. There's no death. There's no disease. All of that stuff that sin brought into the world, none of it's there. And then enter the serpent. Genesis 3, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Oh, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced, and there is where it happens, my friends, right in that moment. The woman was what? Convinced. Convinced. In that moment, she agreed with the devil. And that agreement changed the course of her life and all of our lives. She was convinced. This is all the devil wants to do is convince you of something that's right. That's all he wants to do. Because if he can get us convinced, then we'll go in that direction. So she was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. So what happened here? Adam and Eve, both of them, agreed with the wrong voice. They came into agreement, an alignment with the wrong voice. This is why we got to ask this question. What voice am I agreeing with in my life and all the different situations that I'm facing in my life? What voice am I agreeing with? Because the voice that I agree with determines my future. You and I are literally headed in a direction in life based upon whatever we're agreeing with right now. And so we've got to step back and discern what or who am I agreeing with? Myself? My opinion? Hey, sometimes the devil doesn't even have to to pull us away from God. We can do it ourselves. 
Or is it his voice, his opinion, or or am I agreeing with God? Here's the deal. Satan wants to interpret life for you. I already said it, but I'll say it again. He loves to come in and interpret life for you, especially when you're going through those low moments, those moments of suffering. Man, he loves to interpret those negative, painful moments in our life. Those things where you know you're struggling and it doesn't make sense. I don't like this. He wants to come in and he'll like, yeah, see, see, uh, God doesn't really care. God's probably not even real. He doesn't even exist. He loves to interpret those moments for us, doesn't he? See, you deserve this, don't you? Because you did this and this and this and this and this and this. You deserve this. See, he never really loved you. She never really cared for you. And he'll come in and he'll twist and he'll interpret and he'll say things to you. You don't really matter. You're never gonna be good enough. And he just condemns and he attacks you. That's what he loves to do. But here's the good news. God also wants to interpret life for you. And so we got to learn to listen to his voice. God wants to interpret those moments of suffering. God wants to interpret those moments of brokenness. He wants you to invite him into those moments and listen to him. Hear what he has to say about you, about that situation. Hey, he says, I'm near to the brokenhearted. He is a father to the fatherless. He wants to be there with you, speaking to you in every moment, in every season of your life. So it's important that we know God's voice we learn to hear God's voice, and so we know God's word and his truth. Yes. And it's not just, we can't just know it, but we also have to agree with it. Amen. Hey, the demons, they know. Yeah. They know God's word, but they don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. See, it's knowing and agreeing with God's voice. That's the key to freedom in our life, friends. Amen. So Jesus did this. He's called in scripture the second Adam. Okay, the first Adam broke everything for us. Jesus came back and he redeemed everything as the second Adam for us. So he was praying, he was fasting for 40 days in the desert. Matthew chapter four, Luke chapter four, both those gospels cover the story. And the devil comes in and tempts, tempts Jesus and he twists scripture, tries to get Jesus to do things he shouldn't do. And every single time, what does Jesus do? He comes back with truth from the word of God. He says, no, 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 it's written, boom. And he uses this sword, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. He uses it every single time. And he says, devil, I will not agree with you. I agree with this. I align my life with this, with this truth right here. It's important that you and I don't just know the word of God. We got to agree with the word of God because that is how freedom comes in our life. Amen? Amen. All right. So the third one is this. We're coming to an end here. Spiritual authority. Oh, guys, this is good. Okay, if you need to sit up right here, if you need to wake yourself up, some of y'all, you're teeter-bobbing here, okay, so it's, I don't know if it's getting too warm in here or what, okay, so you know, nudge your neighbor here. Okay, guys, here we go. You, you get ready to receive right here in this moment, because some of you are getting ready to step into the spiritual authority that Jesus has for you. Ephesians 2.6 says this, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I think the more you understand the truth of this verse, the more it's gonna change your life. When you understand the implications of the truth of these words right here in Ephesians 2.6, it will change how you approach every day, every decision, every situation in your life, because you know who you are. I am seated with Christ. 
I have a high position in him. I am seated in the heavenly realms with Christ. If you view yourself like that, I promise you it's going to change how you live every single day. Friends, we've been given so much. I believe we've been given way way more than we realize that we have through Christ. You might think, like, how is that even possible? How am I seated with Christ in the heavenly realms? Remember, our relationship with him is described as a marriage. We are united with him, one with him. Okay, so that's physically going to come to fruition in the future, fully and completely. But for now, spiritually, we are united. We are one with Christ. We are seated with him in the heavenly, in the spiritual realm. And just like in a marriage, you know, there's that saying in marriage, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. Right? It's the same thing in our relationship with Jesus. What's yours is his, but what's his is also yours. Do you know who he is? Do you know all that he has for you? I think we don't realize it. This is why we got to view ourselves as we are seated in heavenly places with him. So we got to understand both power and authority when it comes to our spiritual authority. What is power? Power is the strength or ability to affect. And authority is basically delegated power. That's what authority is. Back in the fourth grade, I applied to be a crossing guard at my elementary school. And I was so excited about this, and I got selected to be a crossing guard. I was so excited. I don't even know why I'm excited to this day, looking back on it. You had to get up earlier than normal and go to school earlier. I put on these orange vests, this orange helmet, and this flag that said stop. And I, I, was ex- I loved it. Every single day, I got up early. And I was a crossing guard for my elementary school as a fourth grader. I just even think back to it, it's hilarious to think like all us fourth graders, we showed up early and we got all these clothes on. We walked all around the property and, and helped kids cross the street into the school property. Like you don't see kid crossing guards these days. You ever notice that? Like it does happen, like especially in Phoenix. Like I wouldn't want my fourth grader doing this in Phoenix because crazy drivers here, man. Crazy drivers here. But as a fourth grader, I did this every single day. And I loved it. I would even sometimes fill in for the afternoon crew, and I do it after school as well. <laughs> I wish I had pictures of this, because that would have been awesome. And I could walk out in the middle of the street, and I just felt so powerful, because I could stop every car on the street. Now, you think about this. Little fourth grade Tyrone, if I ran out in the street and a semi-truck was coming, and I, and I tried to physically stop this semi-truck, could I do it? No, there's no way physically I had the power to stop that. But when I walked out there with my flag, all of a sudden I got the authority to stop every vehicle on the street. There's a difference between power and authority. And I think you need to understand the authority that you have in Christ. Yes, the devil's powerful, but you realize God's more powerful and he has delegated to you his power. You have delegated authority that you and I can just say, stop, devil. And the more you and I realize this, I think it's going to change how we live our life. Jesus said in Matthew 28, great commission. He said, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. And he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He is delegating us his power and his authority to go and make disciples of the nations. And then in Luke 9, he says something so interesting. This This is good. Check this out. Luke 9. One day... Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Okay, so notice what Jesus isn't saying here. He isn't saying, go pray for the sick. 
He didn't say, go pray for those that are demon-possessed. He said, no, go cast out the demons, and you go heal the sick. There is a delegated authority that you and I have to do this, to live like this. Jesus himself modeled this. He didn't pray for things to happen. He just walked up and he spoke to the situation. He told the guy, hey, get up, take up your mat, and walk home. And the guy who had never walked got up and walked. He just spoke to that. And so then in the early church, you read about this in the book of Acts. They did the same thing. Peter and John, they're walking into the the temple. And uh, verse 6, chapter 3 of Acts, Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And this guy gets up and, and walks for the first time. Causes an incredible commotion around the city of Jerusalem because of this. Everybody noticed, everybody heard about it, everybody knew, because it happened right in front of the temple. So Peter said, hey, I don't have any money. Maybe a lot of us can identify with that. I don't have any money to give you. But he says, what I do have, I give you. What did Peter have? Peter had delegated authority to speak to what was going on in that situation. Hmm. By the way, guys, we're starting a new series next Sunday, and it's called Miracles Happen Here. We just love that banner so much out there in our lobby that uh, we're just going to take a few weeks and we're going to talk about it. Miracles Happen Here. It's going to be a really good series that I think is going to stir up our faith for us to see the miraculous power of God in our lives, not just in Sunday morning church services, but in our lives everywhere we go. And I'm just having faith for things like that. It's going to be really good. I'm, I'm super excited about this. So that's next Sunday. Miracles happen here. So let's talk about power. Okay, remember, you have an authority and this delegated power that you have, it only works if you exercise it. Kind of a no-brainer, but it needs to be said. It only works if you use it, if you walk in it, if you exercise it. Think about a police officer. If he gets a call, there's a burglar in a home down the road. The police officer doesn't call the police station and say, hey, Sergeant, can you go take care of this issue? Police officer doesn't call the governor, doesn't call the president. Hey, Mr. President, we've got an issue in this home in my town. Can you come here and take care of it? No, the police officer has been given power. And so with the delegated authority that that police officer has, it goes to the situation and exercises the power and the authority that he has in that situations. And I think this is where a lot of us as Christians, we can miss it. Yeah. Because we're asking God to do things that he's actually given us authority to do. Yeah. <laughs> and we want God to fix things. We want God to do things. He's like, no, I've given you the authority to do it. You need to walk in it. Oh God, would you just fix my workplace? It's so toxic. People there are always saying things and people are mean to me. You know, that one coworker saying bad things about me, Lord, would you fire her or something? Just help her, change her heart, Lord. Forgive me for saying that, Jesus. You know, we pray all these prayers, like fix my work environment. And Jesus is like, no, I've given you the authority and the power to walk in there and change the atmosphere. Why don't you walk in there and you change the atmosphere? Oh, Lord, would you change my home? It's so negative. I was yelling and screaming and negative, and my wife, she's just nagging on me all the time. And God, would you fix her? Would you help her? You know, we pray these prayers, and God's like, no, 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 no. You have the authority to, to walk in your own home and change the atmosphere of your home. Walk in the delegated authority that you have. And see, this is the mindset I think we need to walk in and we need to have, that you have delegated authority. 
It's God's power. It's not your power. It's his power. But you can walk in his power. He has delegated that authority to you. How do you do that, you wonder? How does that work? It's just by the words that you speak. It's the prayers that you pray. You, that's why you want to get to know God's voice and his word. Speak this word. Speak truth. Declare it. It's the attitude that you have. It's the humility and the surrender. It's the, the fruit of the Spirit. Letting the Spirit just fill you. Rivers of living water coming out of your life. Love, joy, peace. All of this. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And everywhere you go, you can take the kingdom with you. Or you can take your kingdom. Or you can take Satan's kingdom. But I encourage you to take God's kingdom and walk in the power of the Spirit. You can change the atmosphere. Did you know that? I think we're called to be thermostats, not thermometers. You know, a thermometer just reads the temperature, right? Takes a temperature, tells you, you know, if you have a fever in your body. Takes, it tells the temperature of a room. But a thermostat changes the temperature. And you are called and equipped and empowered by God to change the atmosphere and to change the temperature. So here's what we do in your notes. You see the bottom there. Our part, take authority based on God's word. God's part, be the power backing it up. When you and I do our part, he does his part. When we walk in that authority based on God's word, he will back you up. So as we come to a close here, just remember this. The battlefield of the spiritual warfare is in our soul, in our mind, our will, and our emotions. This is where the battle takes place. And so I want to encourage you today to break the levy. Break the levy. I want to give you some weapons that are going to help you in your freedom process here. John Mark, you can go ahead and come on up. Some weapons you see at the bottom of your notes there for your freedom process. Number one is this, it's surrender. Are you willing to surrender everything to him? And remember, we're surrendering to a person. We're surrendering to the Holy Spirit. And so it's surrendering to him, trusting him in every area of our life. It requires humility. Pride comes in the way of surrender. But God promises if we humble ourselves before him, he will lift us up. But it requires humility, and it's a surrender. Will I surrender to him? Number two is agreement. So both these things we've already talked about, right? This is another weapon for your freedom process. Agreement. Hey, just get into agreement with what God says about you yes. and what God says about the world and about life. And some of us, we need to repent in order to do that. Yeah. And what is repentance? It's really just a change of thinking and a change of direction. It's really what it is. So I've been agreeing with myself or the devil. Jesus, I repent, forgive me. I'm gonna change my mind and agree with you and go the direction of you. So repent and get in agreement with God. Maybe you need to look up some scriptures in this book that you can stand on, that you can pray, that you can memorize, that you can declare so you can come in agreement with the truth of the word of God. Find some scriptures that you can agree with. Agreement is a weapon in your spiritual process of freedom here, your, your, your freedom process. Uh, number three, confession. Confession. This isn't always easy. Again, it requires humility. Confession. You know, what I've seen is a lot of people, a lot of believers, they don't have a problem confessing to God, but they can really struggle confessing to one another. And James really encouraged us to do that. James, the brother of Jesus, he said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may 
be healed. Hmm. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. There's some things that you're going to need to confess to the, to the Lord. And that's very important. But also, you, you're going to need to confess to the appropriate people in your life. Maybe it's prayer team people here in a few moments when we pray. Maybe some prayer team people at the Reset Retreat this week, and you got to confess and then pray for one another so that you and I can be healed and experience the freedom that Jesus has for us. You know, surrender brings freedom, but so does confession. Same thing, right? Confession brings freedom into our life. Romans 10, 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a great salvation verse. It's part of Romans Road that we've used for salvation. In fact, if you've never said yes to Jesus, this is what I would encourage you to do today. Maybe you come to the realization Jesus is alive. He's real. God did really raise him from the dead. He, he died on the cross for my sins. And so you ask for forgiveness for your sins. Recognize that Jesus paid the penalty of death for your sins, but then God raised him from the dead. You believe that in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord of your life. Do that today. Step into that relationship with Jesus and then you're saved. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that Jesus is my savior. He has saved me from my past, from my sins, from death. I'm in a relationship with him today and forevermore. I'm gonna enjoy my relationship with Jesus for all of eternity. I'm so thankful for that. And so today is maybe a day of salvation for some of you. I'd encourage you. Pray that prayer and then confess Jesus as Lord. He's not just our Savior. He's our Lord. He is King Jesus. So make sure he's the Lord of your life. And so believers, let me speak to you. We love the concept of Savior and we love to call him Lord, but he isn't Lord over every area of our life. And so today is a day for you to confess Jesus, your Lord, over this area too. Because I've been holding this above the water. And I'm going to confess, you are Lord here too. I surrender to you, King Jesus. The last weapon is authority. We just talked about. And here's the deal, guys. The enemy has been trespassing all over you in certain areas of your life. And the reason is because you've been allowing it. We do this. We allow it. Ephesians 4 talks about we can give the devil a foothold. We can give him a foothold and we just give him permission just to trample over us and it's time for some of you to stand up, to rise up and say, hey, devil, no more. You've been robbing me of joy for far too long. I have not been experiencing freedom in this part of my life for way too long, devil. You've been robbing me. Stand up in your authority. Speak to the devil and don't allow him to trample all over you anymore. It's time to rise up, man of God, woman of the God, and the authority that you have. This is a weapon you have in your freedom process. And all four of these are super important. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.